Hello! Hey guys, it's Arden Cho. Hey, I'm Holland Roden. Hello, this is Ian Bowen. Hey you guys, this is Melissa Ponzio. Hi, I'm Lyndon Ashby. Hi, I'm Dylan Sperberry. This is Megan Tandy. This is Tyler Posey, and you are listening to Not Another... Not Another... Not Another... This is Not Another Team Wolf Podcast. Yes, it is! Oh! Woo! Hey, this is Jeff Davis. You're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast, my favorite podcast in the world. everyone, welcome back to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast. Uh, this is episode 109, and uh, we are joining you today um, to do the first, oh well, sort of, sort of the first, the second of uh, our hiatus episodes until Teen Wolf premieres uh, again for season 5B this January. We do have some exact details about that now, which we'll get into during the episode. Uh, but we're here today to talk about the events of New York Comic Con and the Teen Wolf news that was revealed there and maybe a bit of other stuff that happened. Uh, and Donya and Karen, um, obviously our, our lead host Karen and our podcast member Donya, they were actually both at the convention uh, in New York City in person. Um, and so I'm going to be talking to them today about what they learnt there and what happened there. They're both on the line today. So hello, guys. Hey. Hi. Hi. And if you're just tuning in for the first time uh, to this podcast, like if you happen to pick us up during New York Comic Con, we always get a lot of followers following the live tweeting uh, during Comic Cons, so we sometimes pick up new people there. My name is Natalie. I was not at New York Comic Con, but I am here on the podcast. So if you did, didn't follow us on Twitter already, our address is podcast. Uh, as is our Instagram, NATW Podcast. Uh, you can email us at natwpodcast at gmail.com if you have anything to say about Teen Wolf or us or anything that you like. Um, or you can follow our Tumblr, which is notanotherteenwolfpodcast.tumblr.com, which is a uh, very active and large Tumblr page that we have. So, getting into the um, New York Comic Con, um, this was in, obviously, New York City uh, a, about a week and a half ago, I think, I guess, so not not this weekend that we've just had, but the weekend before, is that right? Wow, it feels like ages ago. It does feel like forever ago, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. So, one week and a couple of days ago, um, and yeah, and Donya's already back in the UK, um, where she lives. And Karen Sad. is back home in the south where she lives or wherever it is she lives now. Um, That's weird to hear you say that. Because <laughs> uh, she usually is from New York, but never mind. Uh, I guess the first thing just to get into, um, Donya, you uh, have been to New York Comic Con before, but before this summer you didn't go to San Diego Comic Con. So what did you um, think of of New York Comic Con after doing San Diego, or what did you sort of think of the difference between the two experiences? Uh, I think the biggest difference for me is San Diego Comic Con feels much grander. It feels like a bigger scale. Uh, there was probably, it felt like about the same amount of people, but that's mostly because I think New York Comic Con happens on a much 
like in a much smaller space. So whereas there probably weren't as many people attending, it just felt like there were as many people milling around. I mean, things like lines and everything were just as crazy, but comparatively, um, considering how long it took me to get through the Marvel line at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Karen breezed through the line pretty much compared to San Diego Comic-Con when we tried to pick up our exclusive merch. But I guess on the whole, the biggest difference with New York Comic-Con is it just feels like a more intimate convention. Like, there, there didn't feel... There didn't, it didn't feel as much like I was being pulled in as many different directions. I didn't feel as rushed to get everywhere. I just felt like I could stop and enjoy things a little bit more. Except for the Saturday. Saturday was completely crazy. It was insane. Um, and so, like, in, in terms of um, guests, I guess, from what I saw on the kind of lineup, and even, like, the thing afterwards with the social media records of... of of what was going on there. Um, it was Teen Wolf kind of one of the bigger guests on yes. the, at the convention. Like it wasn't like, oh, you know, they didn't have uh, like Star Wars on there, for example. Like, you know, that was Teen Wolf like one of the biggest and most famous productions at this convention? Yeah, I would say so. I think um, especially in social media interaction, it was definitely one of the biggest because I think it, it came in uh, second. In... Yeah, after Marvel TV, is that right? Exactly, which, you know, <laughs> that's no small feat <laughs> okay. to come in second to them, considering what Marvel took to to New York Comic Con, like a Daredevil season two trailer and the first episode of Jessica Jones. Like, yep. to, to come in second uh, against that, that's huge. That still shows how, like, how much how much Teen Wolf kind of impacts people and the fans. So mm. it was crazy. Yeah. And they didn't even have the full cast there. It's funny because it's 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 not got the highest, like, you know, ratings of viewers, especially because it's not on a public network. It's a, like on a cable network, Teen Wolf. Um, yeah. You know, compared to something like, you know, I don't know, like The Walking Dead. I don't watch that show, but it's on like a, like a, what network is Walking Dead on? AMC. AMC. Is that cable? I don't know things. Yes. I, have I no think. Idea. I have no idea. Regardless, um, well, I remember talking, um, you know, to, so, I think it was Melissa Ponzio, um, yeah, because she, she did some time on that show, about the difference in, like, kind of fan uh, reaction to show. I mean, The Walking Dead has grown in terms of, like, fandom interaction as opposed to just being a show that people watch but um these shows with these huge view counts uh, you know that are often on um public networks like um you know commercial networks um really don't have like the online focus or the kind of amount of attention like you know they could go to a convention and they wouldn't be the biggest thing there even if they have the biggest viewership because the kind of viewers that watch aren't the kind of viewers that like put in their time to go to conventions or to, um, you know, actually spend time, like, obsessing over or promoting the the production. Like, it's actually, you know, uh, a show's viewers and a show's success with viewers is often, you know, a lot of those people don't necessarily care very deeply about 
television in general. They're just watching it because they're watching it. They don't sort of care more than just watching it. But to have Teen Wolf sort of constantly come on top at, you know, San Diego as well for, for television, it was the top, I think, and here and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, Karen, like you've done this for quite a few years. Like what do you think that it means for um, it to kind of have the lower viewing numbers but to have the biggest attention in this kind of pop culture world, like it, that it always comes out on top in in circumstances like this? I think one of the greatest things about the Teen Wolf fandom is that even though it's fairly small in terms of, you know, like The Walking Dead, which gets like 10 million views an episode or something, Teen Wolf gets like two. Mm. Um, And while that's still quite a lot of people, it's quite small compared to other major shows, but the fandom is so passionate And I think that's one of the greatest things about it, because even though we're small, you know, we still go out to conventions and stuff. And I really enjoy that interaction between cast members and the fans and just being able to see people interact with these people that they really respect. Um, There were, you know, we always kind of hate the fan question sections at panels because they can get kind of embarrassing and silly, but there are some really good questions this year. And I really enjoy seeing people ask those deep questions that make the actors go, Oh, you know, I never thought of that. Here's, you know, my own head cannon. And that kind of just adds to what happens in the show. And I think that's really all fans want is a way to continue experiencing the show even when it's not on air even when you know they're not sitting there watching the episode yeah um and i don't i don't know like it seems like that a higher like you know say you know if we're gonna use the walking dead like 10 or 15 million viewers versus 2 million viewers watching teen wolf versus however many around the world um sort of get it through less than legal means um I'd say the percentage of people who watch Teen Wolf and then who are deeply involved in, you know, promoting the show online or or just talking about it and being there is, like, a higher headcount. Like, it's a higher percentage. Say it's 50 or 75%, mm-hmm. whereas Walking Dead, like, there's probably, you know, a you know 25% of their viewers. It might end up totaling the same number of people or even more people, but the percentage is much smaller. Um, whereas the percentage of people who watch Teen Wolf and then do more than just watch Teen Wolf that, that get involved with Teen Wolf aside from just watching it is very high. And so that's that's sort of an interesting thing to, to think about and what that uh, affects about the show, you know, the show staying alive, like the show staying on the air, um, and, and just what the fandom is like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's still, you know, unfortunately, something that Teen Wolf is always going to struggle with because it's named Teen Wolf. Mm -hmm. I think even though when season one aired and people were like, yeah, I'm not watching that. And then come season two, you know, people were starting to say, wait, no, this is actually a really good show. Quite a lot of people picked it up since then, and it's continued to grow and grow and grow. But it's still not mainstream enough that people are like, yeah, I'm totally going to give Teen Wolf a try. You know, some people are still like, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. I don't really tell people that I watch it. Um, but I don't think that's really ever going to go away. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting sort of predicament to be in, I guess. But it always sort of shows at events like this, it always kind of um, 
it always kind of shows like that people like hang on this is the thing that people are talking about the most at this event you know like you know which is a good thing I think um and not that surprising to me but it's interesting that this thing that like you go out on the street and you'd be like yeah yeah I yeah I do work about this show called Teen Wolf and people like either like what or they're like Mm. laugh whatever whereas at somewhere like Comic Con you're like yeah I'm here covering Teen Wolf and it's like the biggest show at the convention at San Diego Comic Con if you know what I mean like it's the most fan attention on a TV show at something like Comic Con and so it's it's interesting so yeah. I mean um the panel itself took place in the uh Empire which isn't the the main stage it isn't the one with the most seating but it is the second biggest stage and I mean Honestly, it was a pretty even split. It was, in fact, at most points, more difficult to get into the Empire stage than it was to get into the main stage. Because at least with the main stage, they did wristbanding Mm. so that you could line up first thing in the morning, get your wristband for the panel you wanted, and then go and do other things. With Empire, you had to, like, stand in line much the way that you do in San Diego Comic-Con for even, like, the briefest chance to get into that room. And um, not everyone got into that panel. Mm. There was there was so many people queuing up trying to get into that stage to watch it. Like they didn't clear the Empire ballroom between panels, whereas they did with the main stage. So people who were there for Teen Wolf, and I know a couple of people who did it, got there for the first panel, first thing in the morning, got in got their butt on a seat and sat there through the entire day just to watch the Teen Wolf panel. They sat through every other panel in that room just to watch that one. Which so, was at 5.45 p.m. That it was night. one of the last panels. Yeah, it was one of the last panels happening in that room. Can I just say I'm really glad that we didn't have to do that at San Diego? <laughs> We didn't at New York Comic Con either, but <laughs> yeah. we are very lucky and very thankful that yeah. press badges can sometimes get you a reserved seat, um, which some people like to take advantage of, uh, regardless of whether they are press or not, which Danya and I were witness oh. to. Somebody would refused to leave the reserve section, even though she did yeah. not have a pass. And it was like, they were about to like call security and haul her out of there. Wow. Okay. That's it was more really awkward. Than I was expecting. It um, was really awkward sitting behind that. Karen and I, I think we were trying to sink into our seats. Like, yeah. as if our seats could swallow us. It was so bad. Well, really was it just someone bad. who thought they could sit there and then they were like, no, I'm not moving? Or did they sort of yeah, know what they were much. doing? I don't know if they'd had a reserved pass for, like, a previous, a previous panel. One. yeah. But... Oh, Danya, were you the one telling me about the other person that was trying to get into the reserved seating? Yes. I was. It's so That's bad. That's like, even crazier it? of a story. Okay. So the story is that someone sat in the reserved seating area. And bearing in mind, this isn't just like the, the amount of passes that they give out to press is very, very limited for those reserved seating. Yeah. Not, seat- every press, not, not every press person gets a reserved seating. No. For, for the most part. Panel. Yeah. yeah. So for the most part, those reserved seats will go to like um, people who are with the network that does 
that show or people who've come as a guest of someone who's on the panel or so on and so on. So they've got somewhere to sit if they want to watch it, that kind of thing. So someone had sat in one of those seats and didn't have a reserved pass and they were really checking every single one. Like they were going by and like asking people like, do you have your ticket? Have you got one of your reserved tickets from the network? And if they didn't, they were asking them to leave that area because there's it's a very small number of seats there. And someone had sat down in there. It's not like they're particularly good seats either. Like no, just not. a surefire seat in the room. It's not like the front row or anything. Yeah. But someone had sat in one of the reserved seats with like someone else with the, her, her daughter, I think it was. And they were basically... When the, the the people from New York Comic Con came around and they were like, um, hey, can I just see your reserved seating pass? And they started like going like, oh, um, well, her father had the reserved seating pass uh, for us, but he died and he had the passes and now we don't know where they are. And, are you uh, serious? Completely serious. Completely serious. Oh. And it's kind of like, no. No, why why go that far? <laughs> like, that's the most unbelievable story as well. If you're going to go with the story, like, that's completely out there because you have to pick those passes up that day. So he died that, well. that day and they didn't, you know. And they're still, yeah. And yeah. so, wait, are you saying that your your partner, that, that girl's father has died potentially today because they would have picked the pass up today and... You're attending this panel. Like, if you're going to yeah. make up a story, at least make it believable. <laughs> oh, wow. That's intense. Um, yeah. All right. Well, moving on from some crazy con goers. Hopefully that's none of our listeners. Um, but, yeah. Uh, let's talk about what actually happened with uh, teen news and uh, anecdotes about Teen Wolf at the convention. So... Um, Karen and Donia, you both did coverage of different uh, parts of the convention. Um, Donia had a few assignments to MTV, other, other MTV's other properties, I believe. Um, is that right? Shannara! Uh, which we'll talk about at the end because I want to talk about the other things that you guys covered that you liked the most. Uh, who else from Hyperwool was there? Was it just you guys or was it anyone else? Jen was there, Mikal was there, um, Brittany was kind of around, but not there there. Yeah. Um, so we had a few people covering different uh, shows out and about, um, and obviously we were focusing on Teen Wolf um, and the other MTV properties that they've given us access to cover as well. Um, so that's good. So there was a, how many sort of Teen Wolf events did you go to? There was a panel public panel for fans and there was obviously a press room uh was it just that mm-hmm. or was there any anything else um that i that i sort of missed there was a signing but we didn't go to that they had one i think it was on the saturday mm-hmm. um and it was yeah i think it was all of the people who were on the panel i think went to that and MTV is, uh, did they have like a booth like on the floor? No, no, no booth for them at New York Comic Con. Okay. They had for the signing, they had a separate room. Okay. So they had a room off somewhere that that people would go to, and then 
they kind of move people through it to get their stuff signed. But um, I think we had too many clashes on the Saturday. We couldn't even pop our head over there to say hi to people. Mm. It was completely crazy that Saturday. And so in terms of uh, information that came out, um, did you guys have the panel before press or did the press come before the public panel? Panel was panel before paper. press. So you're able yep. to take the new information from the panel and, and take it to ask questions in press. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So do you want to talk about what news came out of the panel first? Um, Karen, have you got sort of a list of that or? Yeah, I do. Um, basically what happened was they showed the trailer um, pretty much right at the top. and. Yep. Mm. And then they took most of the rest of the panel to kind of explain what was going on there. And people were asking questions about the trailer and some other kind of um, like side things. But I would say like most of the panel was devoted to what exactly was going on in the trailer, which was really nice because that when you see it in a room full of people like that, it's very exciting, but it's also like kind of black out for, you know, two and a half minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what did he say? And, and I think I blinked during that part and missed that. And so they kind of broke it down, which was really nice for us. Mm. Okay. And what guests were there? Uh, well, there was Dylan Sprayberry, uh, Cody Christian, Posey, Jeff, and then uh, JR showed up. I think that was everybody, wasn't it? Yeah, that was everyone. JR was the surprise. JR just, Mm -hmm. like, popped up. (laughs) Decided to hang out. Yeah. Yeah, which we actually, like, accidentally saw him earlier that day. And so we were like, (laughs) oh, my God, God, JR's here. So that was, like... It was still very exciting to see him come out, but we knew it was coming, and it was like, oh, people are just going to flip out. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so which parts of the trailer were people kind of focusing on and, and, and stuff like that? Um, I was actually away at a wedding, so I didn't get to watch it. Um, so which parts um, were people really excited about right off the bat that they were asking about, or what parts did they kind of feel a need to explain? I think the biggest moment in the trailer was when Styles threw Scott up against the wall mm-hmm. and started beating the crap out of him <laughs> and saying, why weren't you there for my father and stuff like that. And um, that definitely had people like really upset, but also kind of excited to see what would come of that? And Posey said that he still had a bruise on his back from when Getting Dylan beat. Him <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it was, other, it was really intense. His other joke was like, I think I broke my kidney, but I didn't pee blood, so it's okay. Nice, nice. Very nice. That's important things happening there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so what, what other, I guess, what other news was. Uh, like you know what what kind of news came out of that like what kind of questions did people ask and that were answered that you found interesting um we do have a bit of a feedback email for the end of the episode about that skittles scene um that we can discuss but um but aside from that what uh what was sort of the biggest information that's come out um, I guess the next biggest thing would probably be the fact that um, they're going to be, I guess, breaking Lydia out of Eichenhaus. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the 
I think it sounded like the first part of 5B is going to be Scott bringing the pack back together and like regrouping and getting everyone to work towards it. And Lydia's the last piece of that. Mm. And so they kind of go all die hard on Eichenhaus <laughs> to break Lydia out. Um, and the the other interesting thing that came out of that is that um, the pack will only be able to get so far through Eichenhaus because obviously it's um, got mountain ash and everything mm. in certain places. So ultimately it's going to be up to Styles to get her out. Mm-hmm. So that was another big thing that we we learnt. It's interesting because we've also received the information a little bit that, you know, um, that maybe what's going on in Eichenhaus isn't so bad once it gets taken over by Valak and the other uh, crazy people, um, crazy uh, supernatural people that are trapped there. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's still bad, maybe it's not, but do you think they're going to get in there and be like, oh, actually, she did need this treatment, or do you think that it's st- are they, is it still vibing like it's a, a bad place to be, basically, um, given what well, Jeff said about the allies and stuff like that? Yeah, that was the really interesting thing to me, and when we were interviewing him at the roundtables, he didn't say it directly, but I have a very, very strong suspicion that Valak is going to be the one that trains her to use her Banshee powers. Mm. And so he has a reason for wanting to help her and wanting to bring down the Dread Doctors. We don't know what that is, but I think that, you know, like has been said before, much to Natalie's delight, uh, Dr. Valak is not going to be the horrible person that we kind of, well, that I initially thought he was going to be. Um, so he's he's definitely going to be working with them, I think, to what ends. We don't know. It might be for his own purposes. Maybe he has a golden heart and we're just not aware of it. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that it's going to be – I think that, you know – that maybe, you know, once things change at Eichenhaus, um, that maybe it's not going to be all it appears to be. Like, maybe they're going to get in there and Lydia's going to be like, actually, guys, I'm doing some important work here and it's all good. Like, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I understand why they would think that they needed to break her out of there, of course. Um, so I'm quite excited about that, Valak. I'm excited about Styles going psycho on Scott because <laughs> apparently I like to make people hate me, but I love that. <laughs> Um, and yeah, what else, what else are we excited about? I would say one of the most shocking parts of the trailer was that Deucalion showed up. Yeah. He, yes. he really I'm going to put him back in the intro, Karen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no inkling that he was going to be there and to see him, first of all, blind, very important, um, was really shocking. Like he I was, was I think blind I or was not blind? He was blind. Okay. Something was up with his eyes. I think I turned to Danya and I was like, was that Deucalion? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And we were like, uh, yes, that was Deucalion. What? <laughs> Does it feel it, like, was the scene, did it feel like it could have been, uh, uh, you know, a flashback? Or did it seem like it could have been, you know, like maybe something with Valak and Deucalion, like back when he used to be blind? Or was it like a new post you know, alpha pack Deucalion. I want to say not flashback. Um, yeah, I, I got the feeling. That, but that's the vibe that I got. Also, and I'll see if I can dig it up Was really quickly. Was he interacting quickly, but... with anyone else? Like, 
No, it was like this weird, like you kind of just saw his face and I think like his hand was up near his face and he was being all dramatic like he usually is. Um, But I almost want to say, and maybe I made this up in my head, so I'll double check and let you guys know in a minute. But I want to say that he has something to do with Theo that, Uh, oh yeah, it was because Cody Christian said he was acting opposite him and you know how amazing that was. And I'm like, okay, so does that mean Deucalion and Theo have some sort of connection? Hmm. Interesting. Do you think Kaelin was like, how very dare you to Theo, like that he's beating him down or that he's like on his side or, or I have no idea. I I mean, if he's blind again, though, not that that necessarily has anything to do with like if he's evil or not, because they're not connected. Um, it just makes me wonder something else has happened but you know maybe maybe it is a flashback maybe we'll learn more about theo's past because in a very small way they're kind of connected well not really the lie that yeah i know what you mean the alpha the twins alpha was that yeah um that's who bit him but it still makes me wonder if there's got to be some connection there even if Theo is obviously a chimera. Yeah. Maybe he... Is Duke Kalian still an alpha, even though he got healed? Or did they suck all his alpha powers out of him? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't re- Like, I don't know what ha- happened. Like of them suckling his alpha powers sucking, out. Sucking, not suckle. Um, <laughs> I swear he said suckling. I do not. This uh, is getting very dirty very fast. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, maybe, I think that we know that Theo wants to be a real werewolf. Uh, is that something that we know? Yes, that so maybe was. maybe he wants Deucalion to bite him. Potentially. <sighs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't know, is there anything, funny anecdotes, any moments that you want to share from the panel? Um, or, I don't know, the panel's kind of... Yeah, what oh. Karen said. It was ridiculous, the panel got really ridiculous, <laughs> and it also derailed quite a lot. Um, I'm not that shocked, but okay. Yeah, I think not oh, having... Accidentally called... Liam Scott's daughter, I think, Aww. and that, and it was yeah. It they're was getting fun. some mileage out of that one. I've uh, yeah. noticed. <laughs> it was really funny though, and um, I guess not having any of the girls on the panel, it kind of had a very different vibe. Like it was just yeah, ridiculous, out of control, was and it was a... very difficult for them to rein it back yeah, in. Was there a moderator? Or did they just sort of handle themselves? No, there was a moderator. BuzzFeed. Oh, okay. They didn't do much moderating. I see. Really, though. Right. Well, it just, okay. yeah. It went a bit wild. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, Speaking of the lack of ladies on the panel, um, I want to talk about them because I was kind of concerned going into 5B, because we know that Lydia is going to be in Eichen House, how often we're actually going to see her? Because in season four, she kept kind of showing up in the last five minutes of quite a few of the episodes. Mm. And that really bothered me because I love Lydia, and she was actually kind of vital to that season. And you could tell it was sort of like this cliffhanger thing that they were doing, but I was worried that would happen again. So the first thing I asked Jeff when he sat down was, 
how much are we going to see Lydia? And he said, quite a bit, actually. She's going to have a lot to do in Eichenhaus, and I think that's going to be um, very much tied in with Valak. But he also mentioned that by 5.15, we'll be caught up to what we saw in 5.01. So okay. 5.15 is going to be like Lydia talking with Valak, and then after that, I don't know if she's going to get out soon after that, if that's going to be a finale thing, but there's sort of like five whole episodes now that we don't really know what's going to happen after that, because we haven't seen anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so do you want to talk more about what you, uh, you asked the cast and what kind of answers that you got about uh, that in the press room? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, unfortunately, because we didn't have a whole lot of information, some of, um, I'm going to sound like such a jerk right now, but some of the other questions people asked were (laughs) not quite, let's be real, we do this podcast, like, basically, you know, we delve pretty deep, so when other people don't delve as deep, it gets When they waste time... That it's not like we want to stand up and ask all the questions because that would be really embarrassing. But when we see people kind of wasting time, I guess, by asking something insignificant or whatever, or something that we already know the answer to, but they don't because they haven't delved as deep. Um, and we want each question to give us a bunch of new information and lead. And we think like journalists. So when we ask a question, it's like going to be something that produces new information like that's important and so when people don't do that it's kind of just annoying on a personal front I think yeah somebody basically somebody legitimately asked like where they film like what state they film in which is like base knowledge for 90% of the people who watch Teen Wolf sorry no offense maybe it's mean to to be mean about this but it is frustrating but, as well. I mean our job is like you said to get new information out of them to be able to tease fans who can't go to these things with stuff that they might not learn otherwise so it's always yeah, important online. to oh sorry Karen gone come up with you know genuine and unique questions and you spend a lot of time doing that and when other people ask things like that it just yeah it gets yeah. very Frustrating and rant. Sorry. <laughs> there's definitely, well, there's definitely a vibe in the fandom. Like when we, when a convention happens, even a small one, like a local one, just for Teen Wolf, you know, the discussion in the fandom, you know, with us and with other people is that, ah, oh, you know, and it's good for the conventions as well if they manage to have Q and A's that get new information because then people are actually talking about it. Like, oh, they said this here and that this, you know, happened, and you can make a news article out of it or whatever. Whereas sometimes we're like, oh, you know, yeah, nothing happened in like no new info at that con, and then it's just written and off if you know what I mean. Like from our perspective, it's like you know, if they're not always bringing out new, you know, it doesn't have to be like spoilerific new. But, like, new in a way that's interesting to fans. Um, you know, a- every question's going to be interesting to the person asking it, but there's a difference between that and being able to sort of produce new information that's going to excite a lot of people. And when we, you know, manage to cover conventions, even small ones, where we focus on the new information uh, that's come out of it, people are always really excited, whereas if there's, like, no no new information, they're like, oh, bored. So, I don't know. Yeah. To play 
devil's advocate like a tiny tiny bit i know that not everyone who goes to the press rooms are going to be fans of the show it's the unfortunate thing of of this kind of line of work where if you work for like a bigger publication people like teen wolf you go into do teen wolf press it's like i've never seen teen wolf they're like i don't care and that i would never do that i do like personally like and we're lucky enough with hyperball that like you know, we don't really have to do that, um, and that people are always, you know, that we only take opportunities where someone's actually interested. Um, but in big uh, publications that- like Entertainment Weekly, the person covering Teen Wolf might have never seen Teen Wolf. Possibly, yeah. I mean, it happens with a lot of other publications as well. It might be something that they think will do well on the site, but they don't have anyone at that event that covers it, and they will send someone just to to cover press rooms and, and the panel yeah. and stuff. But that said, something as basic as where they film should come in, whether you know the show or not, in your just research to give yourself a little bit of background. Like, yeah. But I understand that not everyone's going to be able to go as in-depth as as we do and will yeah. ask probably questions that for us seem incredibly basic but for them coming from a place with zero knowledge about the show at all feels like they're getting like really big information to them but it just yeah I guess it depends on your involvement in the show like how you engage and interact with uh, the cast and everyone in press rooms but obviously we have a different standard we have a, a much higher standard in regard to the information that we want to get and we want to reproduce and we want to get out there. So, mm. yeah, because I guess know we the biggest questions that the fans are asking, like online, like even if it's something that you know is a major publication wouldn't necessarily think to ask, or it might be a confirmation of something from the past rather than a spoiler of new information. But we know mm. that you know, like so and so, you know, people want to know, you know, say this about Scott or Derek or whatever, and that um. managing to get like confirmation of things that people really care about um is uh really exciting for a lot of people so i don't know maybe we're just being too mean but it you know (laughs) (laughs) well regardless um you know i was able to ask quite a few questions which was really good sometimes you don't always get those chances but we had a lot of time like almost 10 minutes with everybody which is like so long when you're doing round tables and you're like oh my gosh i have time for more questions i need to come up with some on the spot so before we get to like the big thing that happened which um i kind of have a funny story about um some of the smaller details that came out of it was um we talked to sprayberry first and he talked about Liam struggling with his anger and kind of going up and down like a normal person would with, you know, anything that they struggle with. And what was really interesting to me was that he said Liam isn't going to be mad at Scott about what happened. Liam is more upset with himself that he let Hayden die alone when he, you know, he let his anger get in the way. But Scott is going to be upset with Liam because... For Liam, him. yeah, for attacking him and for losing his cool, and it's gonna take a little bit of time for them to kind of get back into trusting each other and feeling like they have each other's backs, and you know, one isn't gonna turn on the other, which I think is fair, and I'm glad that Liam 
kind of sees that he did do something wrong and he's still not feeling like, you know, righteous about, well, you let Hayden die. Mm. Um, but I'm also very excited that they're going to be bringing more comedy back to Liam and to Styles too, which is nice. Um, and that Mason, Liam and Mason are, are going to be playing off each other a lot, which I know people really like. And that Mason's going to be pretty important this season. Don't have any idea why or, you know, any details about that. But Jeff specifically said he's becoming very important to the season. So I don't know any theories about that. No, I mean, maybe he's going to discover you know, a piece of crucial information or maybe he's gonna, I don't know, no idea, be the go-between between, like, Liam and Scott or I, I don't know. What do you think? Danya, you got anything? I, I don't because it's kind of really difficult with Mason because up until this point, yes, he's such a huge part of, of Liam's life, but... He hasn't had a particularly major role. It He's been really great as um, a sort of a comedic aside to certain scenes. And, you know, his his enthusiasm about the supernatural world has been great. Like, I've loved his reactions. It's like, it's been a joy to watch. But in regards to how he could impact the, the larger plot, honestly, I don't think we've had enough of him so far to like kind of garner any kind of information that would lead us down a path particularly to to kind of say one way or the other what he might be able to do other than I guess have a completely different angle to take when it comes Mm -hmm. to researching and figuring things out because he's he's not in the know as as much as some of the other characters, he's probably slightly less jaded and cynical as well in in a certain regard. So I don't know, maybe just a a different angle to to a situation, I guess, would be. You basically took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I was going (laughs) to say, seriously, I was going to say, first of all, he's going to have new angles because he's doing this research for the first time, whereas everyone's sort of, you know, they flipped open those books a hundred times and they're kind of, you know, they've been down this road and Mm -hmm. it's getting pretty frustrating for them. But I think him being so new, so naive, so human in a lot of ways that the others aren't, it's going to be easier for him to be like, well, can we try this? And also, seriously, I was going to be like, he's less jaded. He's less jaded than Styles because Styles, while still human, has had the Nagitsune inside of him. He's had all these horrible things happen to him. And I think at this point, it's getting hard for him to have that positive outlook on life whereas I think he's getting beaten down more and more and more especially with his dad in the hospital I mean that is like one of his worst nightmares and with Scott you know kind of not being the reason that he's there but falling out with Scott is literally his worst nightmare um Mason doesn't have all of that baggage with him right now and I think that's really important so I would love for him to one be the guy who discovers something big, but also to kind of remind everyone that while, you know, they deal with the supernatural every day, they're still human. 
they still need to have relationships with each other. They still need to be there for each other and they have to keep that positivity. I really liked that he was there when Liam was attacking Scott and kind of snapped him out of it. You know, when he said Hayden's gone, I would love to see Mason kind of be there for Liam and to kind of rein him in and realize that, okay, you're kind of going, you know, over kill right now and you're kind of scaring me why don't you just take a step back and and relax for a minute chill pill dude chill pill (laughs) seriously um well the other things that were kind of interesting was cody christian who plays theo said um he's going to be the leader of his pack because i was really curious about this is he just using them or does he actually want to be an alpha and he said it's sort of both he needs to be a leader to his pack a good leader because he needs them to complete his goal which we learned is to become a real werewolf which was huge i was so surprised that jeff let that slip because we've been wondering for so long like what is his end game what is he really after and it turns out he wants to be a real werewolf. Can you? Uh, you say you're surprised that Jeff let that slip, Karen? I mean, at this I point, know. are you surprised that Jeff lets anything slip? I think he goes to bed at night dreaming about the looks on people's faces <laughs> when he gets to drop a bit of knowledge on someone who cares about Teen Wolf as much as he does. Like you've seen him, you've seen how he gets all like best friends together. Let me tell you this, and gets so excited to tell you. So I'm not surprised that he was a. He gets so excited to say something that will make people go, oh, my God, in his face. He loves it. So I'm yeah. not surprised, but that's very interesting that information. Yeah, regardless, I feel like this was a huge drop. Um, as much as putting, like, Deucalion and Chris in the trailer, yeah. I think that it's big that we finally know what Leo is uh, – Leo. Theo. Theo. <laughs> what Theo is after. <laughs> Would and, Leo uh, be Liam and Theo's ship Don't, name? don't. Yes, I would. <laughs> Let's not, though. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking Percy Jackson, but, you Theum. know. Theum. yeah. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds like they have a lisp. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, okay, so Posey said that when you see the masks come off of the Dread Doctors, it's yeah. going to be really scary i don't know when that's gonna happen um i'm kind of dreading it because i i can only imagine what they look like under there they probably look like a raisin (laughs) fair (laughs) like you know where i'm going with this like um like a really scary raisin (laughs) yeah that dropped at the round tables was that Posey's going to direct an episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll just tell you the story about this really quick because it was, it was kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> so he, he basically, I forget exactly how it came up. Somebody asked something and, Oh, somebody asked him, how is Posey as, as a producer? And Jeff was 
his answer was really good. He's like, you know, sometimes later in the seasons, actors become producers because it's just a vanity title. It's just something else to add to their resume. He goes, Posey goes to all the production meetings. He's really involved. You know, not all of his ideas are used or anything. And he realizes, and Posey said this too, like a lot of ideas all around the board get thrown out because Jeff has such a specific vision for the show. But he's really collaborative with the entire team. And Posey is just, he really loves doing it and he goes you know what Posey's gonna direct an episode and we're kind of like what and he yells over to Posey who's sitting at the next table doing his own interviews with stuff and he goes hey I just told them that you're gonna direct an episode Posey flips out he was like what we can tell people now and I won't repeat what Jeff said but um he's like yeah Well, he goes, I'm the fucking boss. Yes, I can tell them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. And um, he leans over to me and he was like, Hyperbole can have that. And I'm like, Jeff, I don't think you understand how roundtables work. Um, <laughs> oh, he should have told you. He should have told you in private. But oh, well, <laughs> that would have been really nice. But that's OK, because what ended up happening. Yeah, what ended up happening was I texted Brooke immediately and I was like, Posey's going to direct. This is huge news. This is the first that anybody's ever heard it. Um, And here's like, that's all the information I know. Write an article about it. So she goes to do that and we get Posey to our table a couple of minutes later. And I was like, so how about that directing uh, gig? And he just goes on this beautiful speech about um, what it means to him and how important it is and how incredibly excited he is to do this he said you know what i've realized that i'm really good at this kind of stuff i really love doing it and i just want to learn as much as i possibly can i think he was like i'm not even 24 or something like that i didn't realize he was that much younger but uh, it was just his birthday is it having 24th birthday and i was like really he's only 20 how have we been doing this show so long and he's still only 24 (laughs) it's so weird anyway carry on is more excited about him directing an episode than he is and it was just really great to watch him and he was you know he's concerned about will his um co-stars like take direction from him and he's like i hope they will and i hope they realize that i just want what's best for the show and that i want it to be really collaborative and stuff and he had this line which is so posy i can't even tell you it was something about he's like i really want to take life by the balls but like you know in a really respectful kind of way and I was- <laughs> Nobody could say that like Posey Maybe can say that. Maybe put these roundtable clips on Tumblr or something. I don't think that's not allowed, so maybe people would like to hear that. Oh, it was, yeah, it was really great. But I am so excited to see him direct an episode. I I don't know if he's going to have a very different style from what we're used to, considering he hasn't really done anything yet, if they're going to make it very distinctive or if it's going to be sort of just a, uh, well, you know, he's directing, but we kind of had to hold his hand and it doesn't really seem that different from other episodes we've seen. But it's going to be definitely something to keep an eye on. We don't know which episode yet. Mm. That's a fun, a, a fun, <laughs> a fun incident. Um Oh, these people are so ridiculous sometimes. Um, yeah, good times. Um, I, I like that you guys got an article up while you were still in the press room about about Posey directing. Kind of um, rude because 
I was sitting right next to Jeff and I like take my phone from in front of him where I'm recording the conversation and I'm texting Brooke. I think Danya, you were in that group, weren't you? I was. I was like, yeah, I was in the group. Write an article. That's all I have. Sorry. <laughs> and then I put my phone back down. And then when Posey came over, I just sent her the whole file once he was done. And mm-hmm. and she wrote a great article about it. So that was, yeah, that was very, uh, very much teamwork and how I like to operate is, you know, spread the love and have other people help me out. Cause sometimes it can be really difficult getting articles like that out. And because, you know, they shouted it like all over the press room. Yeah. 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 And I mean, next time you want to give a site an exclusive, yeah. you have to not shout it. Just so yeah. you know. Uh, that's how it works. But that's Ing. fine. <laughs> Yeah, kept stopping in the middle of like one of his interviews and turning to Jeff and being like, I love you, man. I'm so excited. He's like, oh, thank you for telling people. He was like so into it. It was awesome. They probably weren't meant to tell, but Jeff doesn't care. So yeah, Jeff did it anyway. Yeah, never mind. All right. So any other news, uh, facts, tidbits that you liked from uh, from the Teen Wolf experience? Yeah, I had a couple small ones, unless, Danya, you had anything else you wanted to talk about? No, feel free to go. Go. Okay, um, just because, obviously, we saw Chris show up at the end of the panel, mm-hmm. and... His name is not Chris. JR. <laughs> oh, well, I meant at the end of the trailer. Oh, Chris sorry, in the trailer, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chris in the Chris trailer, JR at yeah. the panel. They yes. were yeah. Chris up at the end of the trailer and um, they were talking about that and it was, you know, very exciting. People were freaking out and everything. Um, but apparently he's going to have some knowledge of hellhounds, of what parishes. They didn't really talk about it too much, but I think he's going to help Parish figure out what he's doing or, you know, how he can control his powers, something like that. Well, that's, that's good, now that he doesn't have Derek to hang out with anymore. You know, he can hang out with Parrish. Um, so, yeah. that should be fun. Um, did I or did I not see um, Jeff reveal that, that in the panel, that, that someone asked again about Derek, and he said that that's a question for Tyler Hecklin for when he wants to come back, that he's welcome, but that there's someone else that he's been working on getting back? Yeah, that's exactly what he said, and he didn't say anything more than that. He said um, there was always going to be room for Peter as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and we will be finding out where Peter has been, although I don't think he's necessarily going to be in 5B, um, but we'll get a few answers. Yeah, we'll get a few answers about that. We all know that the person that needs to come back is Isaac, so... Of course, yeah. yeah. Like, in in a realistic scale, like, do you think that's who he was talking about, or do you think it could be anyone? I mean, considering he brought back Deucalion, like, that was so out of left field for me, which, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, but it really could be anyone at this point. But, I mean, my hopes are definitely set on Isaac. It's just logical. It's just It just makes sense. It's more allies for Scott in a time when he doesn't have very many. And it, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, like, immediate. Like, maybe he's there right now and we don't know about it. Like, you know. Um, and I'm doing my Isaac voice. Um, um, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> you got you like a how much I hated him the first time I watched Teen Wolf, though, Karen. Yes. Oh, so frustrating. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Anyway. Moving on. So, what was the other... Yeah, sorry. What? I I just thought of something uh, from the panel that we didn't touch on, and obviously you bringing up Chris Argent reminded me of it, was that we're apparently going to see another Another Argent Argent. return. Yeah, Yeah, I saw this. So, a zombie one or a live and hiding one? Do you think they didn't... They didn't say any more. They didn't say more than just... An Argent will be returning, but they specifically said it was an Argent that will be returning. Mm. So let's be real. I mean, I don't think it's Allison. No. I really, really don't think it's Allison. People are always going to have that high hope, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's either Gerard is going to be like a big bad and they'll finally kill him, um, which is all I can ever hope for, or Kate. I mean, Kate's still <laughs> on the front. Yeah. I would put 90% of my money on Kate, but we'll see. Um, mainly because Jill's quite in, still involved in the, like, you know, she's still quite keen about Teen Wolf, whereas whoever, what's that man that played Gerard called Michael, what's his face? Um, <laughs> don't you know? Um, <laughs> what? Uh, no, nothing. Carry on. What's it's fine. No, 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 it's fine. You carry on. No, tell me, because I've forgotten. <laughs> Oh my god, this surname is now slipping my mind. <laughs> Alright, well, whatever. Um, regardless, I doubt that he sits around, like, thinking about, well, that was really great when I was on Teen Wolf, because he has, like, a career. Um, but Jill, not to say that she doesn't have a career, is... Hogan. Pretty, she's... Pretty, pardon? Michael Hogan. Yes, that's right. Uh, she's still pretty involved in, like, you know, she talks about Teen Wolf, like, you know, social media, she hangs out with the cast, so she's still pretty, like, close to their world, so I'd say Kate would be a a pretty safe bet, but you never know. If they wanted to go completely crazy and out there and really, like, shock everyone, they'd bring back Victoria Archer. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. how? Yeah, I also don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, but Kate was never really dead. Like, they got her body out of there, like, immediately. Like, I'm pretty sure, unless Victoria's escaped off somewhere and has been living, like, without her family and didn't even come back to, like, wreak vengeance on people for killing her daughter. Like, I don't, you know? Anyway... Never mind. Um, I know that they kind of regret. I know they've said a lot of times that they kind of regret uh, killing Victoria so fast because that they could have used her. But I think she is dead. So never mind. Sad. How did you guys feel when um, Kira showed up too? She was like fighting the Oni and um, some like weird desert warrior ladies, which looked really cool. Did know. it give you Buffy vibes, like the first Slayer Buffy vibes? I don't know. I'm I'm a bit confused about like what they're doing to her. Like why, like how they're going to heal her. I guess. And if I also that. don't, I also don't understand why Kira is going on a spiritual kitsune yeah. quest in Mexico. <laughs> like true. Like, that doesn't make much Japan, sense to me. But not Mexico. <laughs> I would have thought that they would have gone to Japan for it as well. It would have made the Teen most Wolf sense. Teen doesn't have the budget for Japan, so it's Mexico. So I mean, they <laughs> did fake Japan. They managed fake Japan in 3B, and it looked, you know, pretty right. great. Yeah. yeah. So, Who I knows? don't know. 
don't know. Karen, <laughs> what are your thoughts about Kira at the moment then? I'm excited. Um, I'm excited her for her to kind of return back to normal. I'm excited that she's going to be spending more time with her mom because her mom is going to be there helping her. And I feel like they have a lot to talk about that her mom's not necessarily the easiest person to get along with when Kira's struggling with her Kitsune powers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was obviously seen in 5A when her mom sort of just attacked her in the middle of school uh, for no reason. And I think that she's having trouble um, connecting with Kira. And I would really like to see them settle that and get on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What else did you have uh, from the, uh, the you, you had a couple of smaller things you said, Karen, yeah. I interrupted you to make it about Isaac because... Well, that was all of like the character stuff. Um, Just one actually really important detail is that Teen Wolf's going to be on Tuesdays now. It's going to be January 5th. It's going to be at 9 p.m. and it's going to be on Tuesday to lead into the Shannara Chronicles. Yeah, we'll talk about Shannara in a second. Um, But yeah, is that good? Like, is that Teen Wolf? Tuesdays, is that better for you or worse for you? Some people are like, no, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So, yeah, how much does this affect you? Um, I mean, affect me, not at all. Um, I feel, like, slightly betrayed by it, which is really stupid. <laughs> but like, I kind of do. Monday, 9 o'clock, Teen Wolf, that's my life. <laughs> like, Yeah, well, yeah. 10 o'clock it was. I mean, oh. they're moving, the yeah, the day and the time. And it's like... Part of me is, like, you've given up Team Wolf's, like, moon day identity, which was a huge thing, you know, <laughs> social media. I mean, it was. Like, on yeah. Twitter, you go on there oh, and everybody, you know, hashtag moon day. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we've talked about a bunch of times, like, you know, oh, moon days will be back in, like, a week or something like that. So it's something that everybody uses. The fact that they're cutting off that part of the social media aspect of it just doesn't seem like a very good business model in my mind they have to have something to make up for it like they have to think that the payoff is worth losing mm-hmm. the social media trend that which them a lot of foot in exactly which i think that the other part of that like the opposing side of that is that teen wolf is so well established let's be real people like we were saying so obsessed with the show even though there's not a lot of them they're very passionate they're going to follow teen wolf to whatever day and time it's going to be on and I can tell you, and Donna, Dania can attest to this, that they are pushing so hard for the Shannara Chronicles to be the next big thing, not just on MTV, but like, like the on next television. Game of Thrones or something. Yeah. Really? And so, like, do you think it's going to work? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I. And the thing is, the fact that they're using Teen Wolf not just as a lead-in for the premiere, but as a lead-in every single week they're using the Team Wolf audience and hopefully trying to transition them into the Shannara audience. Well, obviously I haven't seen it because I wasn't at Comic-Con, uh, Shannara, um, and I haven't read it, but does it actually, like, there's been a lot of, like, you know, m- you know, medieval fantasy kind of era things, you know, filmed uh, in similar locations with kind of a similar, you know, like, um... Oh, Legend of the Seeker, and all of those different shows that were, like, not very successful, like, kind of fantasy shows that didn't really take off. Um, 
do you think this has something different that will like, or the, did you think just the audience has changed to be like more into that kind of thing now because of Game of Thrones and Highland, uh, not Highlander, Outlander? Yeah, I think the audience has shifted. (laughs) I think the audience has shifted enough for this kind of show to really take off. And the thing that will set it apart from Game of Thrones and Outlander is that it's less based in a more... Even though Game of Thrones has fantasy elements, it's still very grounded in a political reality. Mm. Whereas Shannara Chronicles is very much high fantasy. It's mm. elves and magic and and all sorts of mysticism. And it's... As someone who's read the books and who's been a pretty big fan of the Shannara Chronicles books, like, for me sitting down and watching that episode felt like the book coming to life on the screen in a way that I haven't felt with a lot of book to TV or book to film adaptions. Like it, it didn't take anything away from like my original reading of the books. It really enhanced it. And it just, I loved it. Like Karen will, will attest to the fact that after we finished watching the episode, I was literally bouncing. I was ridiculously happy. I loved it. It is, in fact, going to be replacing Game of Thrones for me because I am not following Game of Thrones into the next season. But whereas I thought before that it was going to replace it anyway, after seeing the the premiere episode, which we were incredibly lucky to be able to go and watch, we were, like it was very. I'm very very thankful for them for inviting us. But yeah, if I hadn't like decided previously that I was dropping Game of Thrones and picking up Shannara instead of it, like that first episode, like completely sealed the deal for me. Well. That's exciting. That's a pretty good endorsement. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Moon Days, I guess, um, and now, yeah, I, I mean, can we just be like Vlogbrothers and just call it, like, you know, Question Tuesday on a Monday anyway? Like, you know, um, <laughs> it can just be Moon Days on a Tuesday. So uh, I mean, technically it's still, like, werewolves and moons, and so it could still be Moon Day. But they're not talking... a hilarious pun about Monday. Yeah, exactly. they were talking about, like, uh, it was Teen Wolf Tuesday, Tyler Posey Tuesday, Taco Teen Wolf Tuesday. Like, it was getting ridiculous at that panel. <laughs> yeah. But um, they are, I guess, trying to come up with another hashtag. So we'll see what sticks. Okay, well, if they get a good one, can they drop all of the weird in middle of the show hashtags that they want people to tweet, like, about Doubtful. moments? Like, true. I doubt it. Because some of, we should do an article on Hyperbole. No, we'd probably, like, never work with MTV again. But, like, <laughs> basically, like, the top ten worst hashtags that Team Wolf has ever put in during their episodes for people to, to try and make a social media t- trend or something like that. Because there have been some ones that have just been real silly. Um, but, yeah, we won't, we won't do that. But we'll remember them forever. <laughs> Like trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, they were really trying to make fetch happen, and it was not going to happen. So, I don't know. If they were a little bit cleverer, maybe. But just let these things happen naturally, guys. Like, it just, it happens naturally. I don't know that's not, like, what social media business is, but it's annoying. So, anyway, 
I don't have the DVD copies, so I have to see those hashtags every time I watch the episode. <laughs> um, anyway, what else? Um, anything else, Karen? I mean, I think that was basically it for Teen Wolf. Um, if you want to jump into maybe what else we did and then yeah. wrap it up. Okay, so I wanted to ask you guys, I guess, what else um, you covered at the convention? Like, what was your favorite other thing that you covered? Um, favorite other experience, non-Teen Wolf related at the convention? So, Donya, do you want to go first? Sure. I mean, obviously, I've already waxed poetic about Shinaro, which was a huge, huge thing for me. It was so much fun. I really, really loved it. Um, but my other major thing that um, I did was the Marvel Netflix panel, which I literally had to run from that to the Shannara screening. So from the Javits Center all the way up to um, the Viacom building on Times Square. Oh, so because you had to leave the, early too. It wasn't even in the convention, the Shannara screening. It was at MTV. Nope. It was at MTV. Oh, that's not close. Um yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, Marvel Netflix was my other big thing because we got to see the Daredevil Season 2 trailer, the first look at Elektra and Punisher. Oh. Uh, but also I got to see the first episode of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. And what is the tone of that show going to be like? Oh, my God. It's amazing. Like, without giving anything away, they have done complete justice from like the the word go to the Jessica Jones comic property because Jessica Jones is a a really really kind of heavy property to take on like she is a very damaged person mm. when you first meet her in the comics like she suffered very severe psychological trauma at the hands of the purple man even when like you first meet her in the comics so um it's, and, it's, then she, and she's given up being a superhero because of that, yeah, is that right? Yeah, she becomes a private investigator. Yeah. Um, and they're really going with that. It's a much more psychological show than Daredevil was. Daredevil is uh, was very physical mm. and very action-oriented. And while there was action in the Jessica Jones pilot, um, like the, it's very much about her mental state. Mm-hmm. And it's very much about about that. Like, the the way that they approached... Like, she has post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, mm-hmm. she has so many disorders, like, <laughs> mentally. Like, But they treat it so well. Like, I didn't... It didn't feel patronizing. It didn't feel forced. It felt... It was dealt with very sensitively. Mm-hmm. And with the respect that it should have head and I was incredibly impressed like even the kind of flashing back and forth to the trauma which they don't show anything explicitly in the first episode but you get a very strong feeling and sense of the sort of thing that she went through without them making it gratuitous like it was just so well done like I honestly for me I felt I don't know, I, I hate wanting to compare it back to Daredevil, but for me it was a stronger start out of the gate than the first Daredevil episode. Okay, that's that's interesting because, yeah, I didn't... 
I didn't super get into the first couple of episodes of Daredevil. Like, it, re- I didn't really, it didn't really make me want to keep watching, and, and Leo wanted to watch it all the way through, and I just was kind of like, it, it dragged for me. De- the fights were really good, but like, and I and I liked the characters, but it, I don't know, something about it dragged for me. So, yeah, I it's think, interesting to hear. I think from, like, the kind of shows that, you're into typically which are a lot of the same shows that i'm into you will probably enjoy jessica jones more as a show versus daredevil cool well i shall be following them both but we will see see how that goes um and then karen um i think i know what yours was but what else did you do at comic con (laughs) what was your favorite uh other thing besides teen wolf that you did at new york comic con um, well, two things, actually. I was really lucky that I got to do two interviews. First one was with the author of this new comic series called Monstrous, uh, Marjorie Liu, mm-hmm. and she is so cool. And I was lucky enough that Danya actually got to, like, come with me and sit there. And yeah. um, it was it was nice because I know that Danya – Danya is the one that, like, m- introduced me to comics and got me so interested in them to begin with. To have her there was like, I don't know, it was comforting. I was really glad you were with me. <laughs> um, I know that sounds silly, but it was it was really nice. And uh, Marjorie Liu is just, she's so cool. And this comic that she's written is about this woman who has suffered from war. She's missing um, part of her arm, and she is being sold into slavery, and she has a lot of... Um, mental issues and emotional damage because of what she's been through, which you don't really know about in the first issue. I've only read the first issue comes out November 4th and um, you, you're not completely aware of what's happened to her, but you know, she is severely damaged both physically and mentally. And she kind of starts going on this rampage against these people who have like sold her and who now own her and are abusing her and trying to use her. And within the world, there are these other monsters called Leviathans. And I guess haven't really gotten too far into it, but some people can have a connection with them. And some, some people use those connections as sort of like, Um, You know, they're my pet or something like that. And other people, this like group of evil nuns, it's crazy. This whole comic series is absolutely crazy and I love it. Um, They they use it for their own purposes. And the way that it's told is so incredibly beautiful. The artwork is absolutely gorgeous. You have these really cute like little creatures one's like a part fox and she's always holding her tail and when she's afraid and it's really adorable and then the main character goes on like a killing spree and it's just absolute gore and bloodshed and the way that she balances it is really interesting to me especially because i haven't seen a lot of comics and i just feel like it's so interesting how they do that so easily Mm-hmm. And anyway, I got to interview her and um, that was really nice. And she was talking a lot about uh, representation in comics, not only for females, but also for like she's Chinese American and how she's sort of incorporating some of that into her comics. And it was just it was really interesting. Cool. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe my actual favorite was that I got to interview Clark Gregg and Jeff Loeb. 
um, which was really awesome. And actually only got like five minutes with them. I was supposed to get 10. So that was a little unfortunate, but, um, I really enjoyed it. I was pretty nervous, but it was a lot of fun. And Clark Gregg is the best human being in the world. And, um, he even let me sneak in an extra question when they decided to cut me off after five minutes. And, uh, he sounds just like Colson and it was so weird. So weird because, yeah, no, it's a lot of actors change the way that they speak, their mannerisms, their cadences. He sounds just like Colson. And I, I guess I just wasn't expecting it. Uh, but he was so cool. And, um, I wish I could have asked more questions, but, um, I was really happy with the ones that I did get to ask. So that was pretty exciting. Actually, we were, were at the Conman panel, Donnie oh, and I, and um, Seth Green was there. And he, like, I was expecting him to sound like Oz, and he doesn't sound anything like Oz. So that's what I mean. Yeah, like, got, like, some people does, really change yeah. their voices. Seth, with Oz, it's, it's like his chill voice. That's probably the voice he yeah. uses when he's at home talking to his cat, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> But when he's like... It is his voice, like, but it's not his all-the-time voice, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, he, when he's on panels and stuff, he really, like, like projects and, and it's different. So. He's super hyper. Yeah, and, I love, I love yeah. I've met Seth several times and I love him. Yeah. Like he's, so you can't laugh at me for saying that no, it's Clark just sounds just like Coulson. Just the way he said it was like he looks like Coulson too. Like, <laughs> no, I know. Like Chris Evans sounds nothing like Steve. Like nothing like him. He yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I know what you mean. Did you not also interview... Rick Riordan, or was that not part of the Comic Con? Oh yeah, I guess I did do that. I totally forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was wow, a few Karen. days. Yeah, look, it was. It's been a very long, like, month away from home for me, and it's been a crazy Comic Con this year. So yes, I also interviewed Rick Riordan about Magnus Chase. That okay, okay. That was the highlight of my yeah, life. Let's be real. No, I completely forgot. Oh man! And he announced that he's going to be doing a new Percy Jackson series, and I was beside myself. I thought he was trolling us, and he wasn't. And I just wanted to die. But yes, thank you. I forgot I did that. Cool. Well, now you've remembered, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So is there anything else about the convention that you wanted to to talk about or do we want to finish up? I've got this one email that's someone reacting to something in the trailer, uh, the Scott and the Styles part. Um, But was there anything that that you wanted to say? No? Okay. So we got this one email uh, from uh, BansheeBait11, who, in my knowledge, I've seen them on Twitter. I think they're a new listener. They've picked us up recently and they've been quite uh, vocal since then, which is nice. Saying, hello ladies, I hope I've used the subject term correctly. They've put skittles in the subject term. Since the 5B trailer came out, I hope this is not inappropriate email, by the way, because I haven't pre-read it, so I'm just, uh, I sort of skimmed it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, I've been thinking about Scott and Styles a lot and have been trying to understand some of the posts on Tumblr that I've come that I've run across. Uh, maybe you can help enlighten me. Um, first off, I'm a passionate supporter of Scott McCall, though I try to be, though so I try to be fair, I have a bias. In the 5B trailer, when Styles throws Scott against the corridor wall and then to the floor, 
yelling all the while about Scott's trust for Theo and demanding to know where Scott was when his dad was being attacked. I assume that's what it's about. I'm thinking, is Scott supposed to babysit every human in Beacon Hills? Yes, Theo was out wreaking havoc on Scott's friends and some dead chimeras during the supermoon, and Scott did not see Theo's evilness and treachery until it was rubbed in his face and forced into his lungs with wolfbane-laced inhaler. But is Scott responsible for Theo, and what is Scott going to do about him? Beat him up, kill him? Um, You know, he, he won't kill Theo. Why is Scott responsible for the sheriff being harmed? Because Scott's the local alpha, and it's his responsibility to keep Beacon Hill safe for the humans. Uh, because with great power comes great responsibility. Maybe so, but why is Styles being such a shit to this boy whose friendship he was boohooing um, about losing to this same Theo? I don't understand. There's only so much one werewolf can do, and he was pretty busy um, at the time trying to save his own life while keeping his beta from major harm. Oh, yeah, and dying from Theo scrambling Scott's guts with his claws and then coming back from the dead. Um, there was Then there was the matter of Scott styles being angry with scott in season one when his dad was knocked over in the parking lot during the mountain lion incident on the parent teacher conference night i never did understand why styles held scott responsible for that so those are two of the situations that come to mind where i had no clue why styles was behaving in the way that he did would you please try to explain thank you um that's quite a lot to take in but yes uh first of all i don't disagree with anything that this person has said about scott and about what's fair to expect from scott but on the other hand, I also love Styles losing his shit, so I don't know. Yeah, I actually have um, an answer for this, I think, kind of supported by um, what Posey said at uh, our roundtables, too, mm-hmm. because one very important thing is that Styles' dad is all Styles really has left. That's his family. He's very sensitive about it. And I think going back to season one made that very evident that he, you know, he's always going to worry about him and he's always going to kind of go a little crazy when it comes to his father's well-being. I mean, even when it's kind of those funny throwaway lines like, you know, you should be eating more vegetables and stuff like this, like it's clear that he is terrified of losing his father. So I think Styles attacking Scott in the hallway in the hospital asking, you know, why weren't you there? It's just him going a little crazy and trying to let off some aggression and trying to find somebody to blame. Unfortunately, that person's Scott. Two, this is something, this is what Posey said to us. Basically, Scott is just letting Styles beat him up because that's his way of supporting Styles. Mm-hmm. He's he's letting Styles get all of his aggression out on him because he can take it. You know, he doesn't have to worry about whether he's going to get hurt or not and he knows how Styles is feeling right now. And Scott loves Sheriff, you know, a lot and feels like he's you know his dad in a lot of ways so he's just as worried but I think it's less about Styles actually blaming Scott for what happened because it's not like he was right there or anything and more about just trying to find somebody to blame and and kind of letting all of his anxiety out and unfortunately that just happens to be let out on Scott's face and I mean, all that's also like you're always if you're kind of an irrational person, which Styles can be, you're always kind of kind of you know in your moments of like anger and like saying things you don't necessarily mean all the time. You're always going to be like, we, you know, this is all you. Literally, none of this would be happening if you weren't a werewolf. If I wasn't involved with you, you know, this is all 
it all ties back to Scott, if you know what I mean. And um, and I understand that. Like, I understand, like, kind of um, being like, none of us would be in this situation if it wasn't for you, so why haven't you done anything, even if it's not really fair to expect, you know, Scott to look after every every single person. Like, he's the kind of base of which it all, all starts, I understand that. Um, but I don't know, like, um, it's, it's kind of a hard, a hard call. Um, as I said, I, I like them. I like Styles like, losing his shit and getting angry. Um, but I don't know, like, I, I also think that it's kind of valid for him to be that angry about Scott trusting Theo when Theo was so terrible and when Styles never did trust him, like... I don't know, like, may, may, you know, maybe for us as viewers, it's very easy to say, oh, Theo was terrible, we know he was evil the whole time, but, like, is it dumb? Is it stupid of Scott to have trusted him? Like, did he actually have reason not to besides from Styles? Like, I don't know, like, how valid is that anger about Theo? I mean, I think that Scott is always going to trust people. It's just who he is. And in hindsight, we know Styles is right. We knew from within like the second episode, I think it was, that Styles was right not to trust him. But in Scott's mind, he needs to have that sort of positive attitude because what a way to live life. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it kind of works for Styles, but Styles has always been cynical and Scott has always been the, you know, maybe too positive person. Like he's always just had that sort of naive outlook on life. And I think if he didn't have that, he wouldn't be as strong of a leader as he is now because people want to trust him they don't want to let him down and if he was always discrediting them and not believing them I don't think that he would be able to lead the pack in Mm. the way that he is now Mm. I don't know Donya any thoughts about this situation no again it's the same as you guys I kind of like Styles losing his mind it's it's that classic kind of even when you're a fit writer, it's that you you like to abuse your characters and put them through emotional hell. <laughs> so I kind of get it that I get that he's completely losing his mind over it. I mean, like Karen said, it's been very well established that Styles feels very strongly about the well-being of his dad. So. The fact that he he kind of wails on Scott about it and takes out his frustration completely on him, whether or not Scott is genuinely at fault, like mm. that that's perfectly in character. Mm. You know, it's completely believable that Styles would do that, and uh, whereas it's also completely believable that Scott would let him do that. So, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of it feels like the right progression for both characters based on how 5A ended, so. Yeah, and I'm not sure, like, about the earlier mention about season one, but I don't know, I I just don't necessarily see Styles as someone who hero-worships Scott. Um, Like, that he sees Scott as very, very fallible, basically, and 
I guess in this circumstance or in any circumstance when something goes wrong like blames him for it or blames him for being naive or or whatever and and I don't know I think that that's easy to understand whether you like it or not and sometimes when something so far out of your control happens when something really terrible in your life happens sometimes your emotions get the better of you and you look for a scapegoat it's just that's yeah. just part of i think that human is the thing nature. that styles does that he's like yeah like whether he whether you know here's the thing about styles that scott does not share styles whether he's right or not he pretty much always thinks he's right he believes in his own opinions a lot more than scott believes in his own opinions scott like you know, he, he might think he's doing the right thing. He's like, this is the thing I've got to do. But he, I think he knows in his heart that he never knows for sure. He just has to do the right, the best thing, you know, based on his judgment or, like, thinking the best of people. Whereas Styles very strongly believes in his own opinions. And I don't think that's something that Scott shares. And I think that Styles is angry at not just Scott, but at people who don't operate like that, like, who or who don't believe him when he thinks that he's right basically um or that you know that other people don't also operate like that that because it you know they let these silly you know things like hope and trust get in the way like um (laughs) and I don't know that's I I think that's yeah I think that Styles thinks he's right a lot more than Scott thinks he's right I never see Scott putting his foot down and go no I'm right about this I know that I'm right about this he's he's always like this is what I've got to do because if I don't believe this, I'll think myself a terrible person. That's very different from believing that you're right. So I don't know. Maybe there's some of that in it. Um, yeah, I think that's about it that I have to say about that. So yeah, has anyone else got anything before we before we go? Nope. No, I'm pretty good actually. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, we will, uh, ra- you know, finish this off then. And, yeah, you can get in touch with us if you have any any um, feedback about the new season or any idea. Now that we've sort of caught up with this piece of news about New York Comic Con, uh, we can think about what uh, we might like to talk about between now and January um, and what we'll, what we'll do, basically, you know, what, what, what we can focus episodes on. Um, if anyone has any suggestions, please feel free to let us know on Twitter or email us, natwpodcast, Twitter and natwpodcast at gmail.com with, uh, you know, something that you'd like to see, themes. Um, please feel free ba- and to go back and, and look at our archive because we've done uh, many, um, you know, non-episode, uh, you know, n- non-Teen Wolf episode review podcasts before like we've done shipping and certain character focuses and you know certain mythologies um, and stuff like that so if there's anything you'd like either you know I guess like an update on or um, you know something that's new that we haven't done before uh, that would be that would be really great to hear from you about what ideas that you would like um, and we'll think of some as well so yeah until then uh, we'll see you all all later I guess and you can just get in touch whenever you feel like it so bye bye Bye. Bye.
love having Tyler as a producer because Tyler is, uh, in, 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 in later seasons, it's usually a vanity title that the actors get. They say, oh, I want to be a producer now. But Tyler's at the production meetings. He's involved in the creative. He And one of his best um, attributes is, as a leader on set, uh, TV is grueling to produce. It takes so long, and it's and, and Tyler has, has now has so much ownership of the show. He's been with been with me and on the show for five six years now, and he's in every single episode. Um, it's great having him as a producer. And actually, I should. I wonder if I can. I wonder if I can say this. Oh. He's, uh, he's going to direct an episode on sixth season. Really? That might be the first announcement. You can invite him. Okay. <laughs> Tyler, I just told him you're going to direct an episode on sixth season. Did? Yeah. Are you allowed to say that? I- I'm the fucking Tom boss. <laughs> I just wanted to be like, I am. <laughs> I'm still the showrunner. I can't believe that. I'm excited. I love you. Wait, did you just tell him just now? No, he knows. Okay. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? Okay. Hello. What's going on? Hi, Hi guys. Hey. Hi, so tell us about this director's gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're the first to know. Yeah. So excited. This is huge. I'm really, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, uh, I forgot that it was just leaked until just now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited to hear the reactions now, because, like, we've known about this for uh, a while now. Um, I've known about this before we started filming season 5A. Uh, so I just been kept, I kept it under wraps, you know, and, and but now that it's out, I, I I love it, so I, I'm so excited. I, I just want to keep building my career, and I, I I think I'm really good at this kind of stuff. You know, I think I think I think I I was born to do this shit. You know, <laughs> and so I'm realizing it, and, and and I'm taking advantage of all these opportunities. I'm realizing I have so much in my position. I have a lot of doors open, and I'm realizing it. I'm only 24, not even, and uh, <laughs> and. And what? Adorable. Oh, thank you. And uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really realizing, and I've been really inspired and motivated lately. And I'm taking life by the balls, and, and but in the best way, you know, in a really respectful kind way. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm really excited.